when you when you when you see what happened in the UK, you realize, and I think I realize this more now than I did then, how close Canada was to separating way back when in 1995 with the Quebec referendum. We all thought, hey, yeah, no problem, we won. But it was by virtually the same margin, if not less. And, you know, even when we got the victory, it was, well, yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah, sure. Of course, that's the way it was going to be. Of course, that was, of course, everybody's going to stay. That's the way it is. But it was by a, an, an extremely slim margin. The same slim margin that has left the UK and in the European Union in the predicament that they're in right now. And it could have very, very easily have been us. Very easily. Uh, are there similarities? Let's find out. Blaine Haggard is with us, associate professor in the Department of Political Science, Brock University, and is with us now. Hello, Blaine. How are you today? Uh, doing okay. Probably as surprised as everybody else. What are your thoughts? Did you think this would happen? Um, I didn't. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, looking at the vote the way it was going beforehand, I mean, you know, it said that they that uh, that the leave was in the lead. Yeah. Um, so I guess it, you know it's a possibility, the fact. But it, it's funny to kind of n- know that it's abstractly a possibility, and then the next day it's kind of like, oh wow, okay, it really happened. Yeah, I was very surprised when I woke up this morning and saw that that was the case. Yeah. What yeah. as this country decide as this country or, or as the UK tries to move forward? Uh, what do you think that What do you think the feeling is there today? Um, I imagine probably shock. I, I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I remember you mentioned the uh, the ninety five referendum, and I mean, I I remember that. I mean, the whole con- country was you know traumatized for a very long time before and afterwards, and that was as you say, it was a. A, a successful result from the point of view of keeping Canada together. So the fact that now people are thinking about, you know, when you, you, what do we count on most of all? We, you know, we think of ourselves as citizens of countries most of all. Yeah. And when all of a sudden that's thrown into doubt, I mean, you're in, essentially you're in an existential crisis. Like, you know, who are we now? It's uh, it's it's tough to deal with. Do you think that when uh, the referendum vote in 1995 uh, fell in favor of, of staying a yes vote back then, uh, do you think we realized just how close it was? Um, I, I think so. I mean, I, I remember that. Uh, I, you know, I came of age in, you know, the Charlottetown referendum on the Charlottetown Accord and then, mm-hmm. you know, remembering, you know, being a, a resident of Ottawa at the time, you know, the, the Quebec referendum. Um, you know, it was uh, it, it was super super close. I mean, you know, you had talk of, or it, actually, you know, Jacques Parizeau had an entire alternative speech and video ready to go, with you know, uh, talking about you know what was going to happen to the Canadian military stationed in Quebec, and it was, and yeah, I think people did know how close it came. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we ended up with the sponsorship scandal is because you know Jean Chrétien decided he was going to do whatever it took to keep the country to, together, mm-hmm. and we all, and that went pretty far. Are, are there similarities in these two referendums? Well, the, one of the similarities that first jumped out to me is that we're, we had, um, you know, the in the Canadian case, it begins with Brian Mulroney and the Meech Lake Accord, and then leading on to the Charlottetown Accord, the rise of Lucien Bouchard, and, the, and then, you know, the Bloc Québécois. Um, and that came out of Brian Mulroney's desires, he, as, as he put it, to, to you know, kind of play the dice, you know, roll the dice in, uh, you know, in his infamous phrase with the kind of the future of the country. Um, 
and uh, we're lucky that we kind of survived that. But, uh, you know, uh, David Cameron did exactly the same thing, mm. but to deal with a kind of even, an even smaller problem, essentially, an intra-party squabble that is one of those things that you look at that and you think that a better politician would have just kind of managed it yeah uh, and is not it, let did, it get out of the uh, not let it get out of party corridors and instead he seems to have brought you know the united kingdom and the european union to the brink of destruction lack of leadership on his part in that regard uh, a lack of political common sense a lack of something it's uh, it's i mean i still can't really believe it uh, the picture in the front page of papers today says it all him standing at the podium outside uh, number 10, and then uh, several meters away, his wife just turned and looked in the other, sort of the other direction, trying to keep her composure. Uh, you, how's he feeling today? Um, I don't know if I would want to be known as the, uh, as the guy who, distru- who, who uh, officially closed the, uh, closed the chapter on the, uh, on the British Empire and the United Kingdom. So I, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, this, is, this has the potential to be kind of a world historic disaster that gets remembered for centuries. Uh, we remember when all the Panama Papers came out, he was linked to that through his father. Does that play any into, into this in any way? Is there a protest vote there in any way? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, one thing that, uh, and, you know, we'll get more clarity on this, as, hopefully, as the, uh, as the days progress. But one of the things that struck me, and again, in thinking about, like, 95, where, uh, you know, people were, you know, the no side in Canada, in, for Canada was making the vote on economic, you know, concerns. You know, of course, Quebec would be better off in Canada. You know, of course, the U.K. would be better off with Europe. But at the end of the day, it was kind of almost a, a nationalist vote, um, you know, in, in favor of Canadian nationalism that at least helped kind of, uh, that, that people could appeal to. Um, and you didn't have that this time in the uh, United Kingdom because it seems that even the people who were very strong proponents of the European Union don't have kind of a deep, deep, you know, uh, attachment to it in, in, in their gut that, you know, the Canadians do to Canada. Mm. Or that, for instance, that Americans do to the United States or that uh, the English do to England. Do you think the Leave uh, side has all their ducks in a row? Do you think they're prepared for what the future holds? Oh, not at all. No, I mean... I don't think anybody is prepared for it. I mean, if, uh, you know, just in terms of the mechanics of it, uh, no, I don't. I mean, it would be impossible to. I mean, with, you know, the fact that, you know, they're talking that it's going to, it's almost certainly going to lead to a recession because it's going to lead to economic uncertainty. Um, And then there's also the possibility that this uncertainty could, you know, spark a a greater crisis. Um, it, It would be impossible to get ready for that. Uh, lots chatting now. What this does with the rest of the EU? Uh, how long before the dominoes fall and others start to break away uh, with the with the UK? What happens with Scotland? Does this inflame separatist views everywhere? And getting back to the Canadian angle, could we see a resurgence in what we saw in '95? Um, on the on the first question, uh, we it's one of those things where it you know we should. Hopefully, you know, for those of us especially, you know, not directly involved in it, should take a deep breath and just kind of watch what happens because it's going to be very important how leaders manage this because right now they've got to vote. Effective, it's, you know, it's kind of non-binding, but it is kind of binding if you, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. But, um, and the terms that they negotiate now are going to be very, very important in how they do it. And so... Um, it, it all depends on how people like, for instance, uh, uh, Angela Merkel and, and others uh, react. Um, on, on the Canadian side, 
I think it's important to to note that, that we are we are different countries, and, and you know that even if there is dissatisfaction in Canada as there are in other in all other countries, you know it kind of works itself out in in different ways. So I don't know if uh, you know Quebec separatism separatism might come back, but I don't know if it'll come back because of this. What does this all say about the referendum? The uh, the the Brexit, you mean? No, yeah, I, yeah. You know, a lot of people have said, well, when there's some sort of political discourse, call a referendum, do this. I mean, oh, oh, referendums in general. In general, whether it's on separation, uh, in this town, it's about LRT. I mean, you know, wh- what's the advantage, disadvantage of holding a referendum? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what topic you're holding it on. If you're holding it on, like, uh, an LRT or something like that, you know, if, uh, you know, if you've, you know, if the votes, it's not as fatal as leaving a great no. country, is what you're saying. But although exactly. many locally might think it might be, <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, you're left with you know, if if you, if it passes and you don't like it, you're left with a, a tax bill that's higher than you want. So it, it's not it's not yeah. super fatal. Um, it's uh, it, it it can be a blunt instrument, um, but uh, you know, certainly I, I I would be more comfortable with that kind of referendum than one that says basically, you know, do you choose to have your country exist or not. Uh, another uh, avenue of this, uh, of course, the U.S. election, and I'm sure th- it, this will be forefront, meaning Brexit will be forefront in the campaign moving forward. Donald Trump has already come out and said, see, it's uh, glad they got their country back. How is well, that? Well, in Scotland, <laughs> the people who voted to stay. Yeah. How is this going to play out? Um, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if, how much of an effect it'll have because, I mean, first of all, uh, Americans are no, uh, notoriously pay very little attention to international coverage. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it'll have a, a big effect, and if it does, it'll... But on the other hand, on the other hand, Blaine, they are notorious for paying a tremendous amount of tr- attention to anything that Trump says. <laughs> so if he brings it up, could he make it an issue? He might be able to make it an issue, but at the same time, too, we're left with the same dynamics that, that we had, like, like yesterday. Uh, um, he doesn't have any money in the bank. He, uh, a large part of the population actively loathes him and, and fears him. Um, the Democrats are quite well organized. They seem to be putting together a good kind of campaign. Um, Trump isn't spending any money on advertising to define himself. So all that stuff is still relevant. So they, they can try to use it, but I think that you know domestic U.S. politics will still be more important than this. Can we here in Canada and you know obviously the rest of the world, but specifically Canada, can we learn something from this? Um, one of the things that I've, I've actually been thinking a lot about that, especially coming up to Canada Day, and one of the things I'm reflecting on is that, you know, for all the problems that we have here, we've actually done a pretty good job of putting together a, a good system where we had the 95 referendum, but, um, you know, and we came very, very close to losing the country, but, but the federal government responded to, uh, to Quebec's needs and, and put in place programs, the devolutions of powers, um, the ill-fated sponsorship scandal, which didn't really work. Um, and whenever there's a problem in other parts of the country, it, you know, it's not like we say, oh, well, that's Alberta screwing up, so therefore, you know, to hell with them. We, you know, we come together, we have equalization payments. The other thing that we did that was brilliant was that when we were designing the North American Free Trade Agreement with the, with the United States and Mexico, um, uh, our leaders uh, explicitly rejected the European approach of essentially bringing our politics closer together. And that was at a time when, you know, after the end of the Cold War, people were much more optimistic that stuff like that could happen. And it turns out that, in fact, that was really, really kind of like prescient of them, because if, if we had done that, um, there's a very good chance that we'd be facing some of the similar uh, tensions that we have today, essentially, of a devolution of political power away from, from Ottawa um, to, uh, I guess, Washington or someplace else, and we'd be dealing with similar pressures. So, in fact, it makes me think about how 
um, how fortunate we are to be living in, in Canada and how we've actually done a pretty good job setting the place up. Uh, cynics may say that uh, separatists will use this for momentum. They will use this to uh, to further their agenda. Whether these other situations deals have been put in place or not, uh, those that are that, that want sovereignty want it. Uh, will this create some momentum, especially if Scotland decides to break away and and others within the EU? Oh, certainly. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the situation in Canada is pretty calm. In in Europe, I think you know these these pressures were building even without the United Kingdom's vote. So this is just going to be more fuel to the fire. And at the and at the base of it, it's all responding to um, a, a similar thing, which is the perception that Brussels, the you know the European yeah. Union, the the government there, is un, is run by Germany and it's not run as a as a true federation, um, and that they're not having. That people aren't, the countries aren't having a say in what happens to them, and that's one thing that re- people, nobody likes. That. What is the health of se- the separatist movement in Canada now? Do you think? Um, I'm not exactly sure how healthy or unhealthy they are, but you know they didn't make a very good showing in the last federal election, and they seem to be back on their heels in Quebec. So I don't. Right now, it seems to be one of those things that's off the front burner. Now that we've seen the fallout, uh, of, of course, the, the the plunge in the markets and and that sort of thing, does that make them reevaluate this and, and and maybe instead of increasing momentum, work the other way? Uh, who, who do you mean uh, in, in England? No, in or, with Quebec separatists. Oh, Quebec separatists. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that, like I said before, all, every country has their own specific dynamics. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, you know, as, kind of, as the Brexit vote, Brexit vote shows, is that you, know, you can tell people that they're going to suffer economically all you want. But if they, you know, it, it, the desire to be true to your own nation... Uh, to have your own nation is a really, really, really strong one. How does the how do the UK or how does the UK move forward now? I mean, obviously, an extremely divisive vote. What's life like there now? How, how do you move <laughs> forward with this? Um, uh, unprecedented would be the first word that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's from from what I understand is that they can you know they can start a treaty process to to withdraw or start negotiations, or they could just immediately kind of like. Uh, um, rescind their the legislation, kind of enabling um, their participation in the European Union. But there's lots of stuff to be negotiated, and that's what that's what I was kind of saying before. Is that a lot really depend? They've had the vote, but now a lot depends on how leaders in Europe and in the United Kingdom decide to to pursue this. Because at the same time, even if they vote to leave the European Union, there's a lot of ties between Europe and the United Kingdom. So what happens to those ties? What do they look like? Um, there's a lot of different interests at play. Uh, the city of London is not good, is not happy with this vote. They're kind of important. So um, there's a lot still to be decided. Over and above that, how deep is this wound on an emotional level? Will this divide people for years? It, I, I don't know. That's one of those questions where, you know, not being in it, it's it's tough yeah. to answer. I mean, I think that, you know, thinking about the Canadian experience, you can imagine what would happen if, you know, if Quebec decided to to leave Canada, mm-hmm. you know, on a, on a rational level, you know, that life goes on and that, you know, we'll work through this. But it, it's when you consider that our national identities are kind of like our, our fundamental identities, in a sense, um, when that's called into question, it, it's got to be pretty painful. You grew up in Ottawa. What's it? Can you imagine that if you went across the river, you'd be into another country? Yeah, well, Exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it's it, it, that that's going to take a long time. I think I think it's going to take a generation for people to get over this. It's it's very possible. Well, I mean, the really the thing is it's that the the kind of like the the gut attraction or linkage between the European Union and the United Kingdom probably isn't that strong. But it you know it, the fact that you have the United Kingdom, if that shatters, that would be just uh, that would be absolutely uh, shocking. What about violence? Do you think they'll keep a lid on this? Well, we've already had one assassination, so uh, mm-hmm. I, I hope so. But uh, um, when when uh, when things are tense like this, violence is possible, and you know this is why it's very important for for leaders essentially to do all do, do the most they can to not inflame an already tense situation. Uh, well, again, you know, we just have to look back to what happened after the referendum here. I mean, you know, uh, how did we feel after after it was over? I guess it depends on what side you're on, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blaine Haggard is with his associate professor in the Department of Political Science, Brock University. Blaine, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure.